and clap for the fathers. Amen. Okay, if you got your Bibles, I want you to get in and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15. I am, uh, I appreciate Virginia uh, giving the word last week. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for Pastor Virginia to come and share the supernatural things of God? Amen. So there's some things supernaturally that are going to take place in your life. And I'm believing today is going to be one of those days where we're going to see some supernatural stuff begin to take place. How many of you have been blessed already? I have been blessed already. I am, am excited about this. Father's Day 2020. And I, you guys know that um, I want to thank you guys for praying for us while we were gone. Um, Shelly and I had a, a wonderful time to relax. We had a, a chance to get away. I uh, we even have a little prayer. We have a little prayer cove down in, in uh, Eufaula, Lake Eufaula, that we try to get to on our jet skis, and we have some prayer time back there. And uh, Shelly didn't know I caught that picture of her and put it on Facebook about she was in the in the prayer cove, and the music was playing, and she was singing along. And she's got a really good voice, unlike some others that I know. She's got a really good voice. Um, I try not to sing, but she she was it was a blessing, and... Uh, just getting a few days away, we needed that. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about, I really, 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 really thought that I would talk a little bit about, you know, God the Father himself. And I thought, well, I can talk about, he's the first person of the Trinity. And we could talk about the Father and what takes place. And when he comes into the room, what all begins to start shaping and changing. And then I thought, well, I'm not going to talk about that. I thought I would talk about Exodus 20:12 that says, honor your father and your mother. And this has a promise. This is one of the Ten Commandments. And it has a promise, Daryl, and it says, so things will go good with you. Things are going to go good with you. And I thought about, we could talk about honoring the father uh, um, and, and being able to talk about honoring the dad and, and our heavenly father. And then I thought, well... I think I'll talk about Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, where it says, A wise son brings joy to his father. And I thought, well, I'll talk about the wisdom, that we need to be able to have the wisdom of God. And, and we, we know that a wise, if the Bible says, a wise son brings joy to the father, then I want to bring joy to my heavenly father. Amen? And I thought, well, I'll talk about the wisdom. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to talk about that, Jackie. I'm going to talk about 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 where it says and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty I love to talk about the kingdom I love to talk about sons and daughters of the most high God and I thought I can talk about that today and how God is going to be our father he is you may have a biological father we all do have whether it's here on earth mine is in heaven praise the Lord uh, um, and I'm thankful for that but I'm also thankful that I have a heavenly father that loves me no matter what. And I began to start thinking about, I can preach on this scripture, and I really began to start thinking about what I believe is the greatest story of the gospel in the Bible. If all these 66 books, if you could bring one thing down to a parable in the Lord about uh, the gospel and what the gospel, the good news, everybody say good news. Come on, everybody say good news. 
good news. There's good news. It's got to be good news, Casey, not the bad news. Amen. We're looking at the good news. There is good news. And of course, we know the good news is Jesus and that that he came for us and he died for us and he gave his life for us and he shed his blood for us and all those different things. And I could go on and talk about Jesus, but I want to focus something this morning. If you'll give me just a few minutes to focus on what I believe is the greatest picture of the gospel, the good news in the New Testament. I believe it's in the whole entire Bible. My opinion, what is it, M-I-O, in my opinion only, or whatever it is, that it, in my opinion, that I believe that that's what it's going to be. Let's look at Luke chapter 15, because I want to talk a little bit about in Luke chapter 15. I'm in 19. That's not going to work. 18, 17, 16, 15. I want to talk about the prodigal son. How many of you are familiar with this verse, this this parable. Just a show of hands. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. There are a few of you that aren't, but I'm going to, those of you that are familiar, don't discount what we're fixing to read. Don't say, well, I heard it before. No, you, this is the living word. It's alive and active. Susanna, it will, you can hear it now, and it is going to be different than what you've heard it before. And you know what? It's a pretty bold statement, Pastor, for you to say that this is the greatest picture in the Bible of the gospel. But by the time we get done with this, I'm going to believe that I'm going to, like a lawyer, I'm going to lay it all out for you. And you're going to say, yeah, I think I can kind of say that this probably can be one of the, is one of the greatest parables in the Word of God. Luke chapter 15. We're going to read through verses 11 through 24. And this is the prodigal son. Before in Luke, he talked a little bit about the lost sheep. And he talked about those, the, the coin that was lost and how you would go and do everything you could do anybody ever lost their car keys and you've you ever called somebody up and said i lost my car keys pray can you pray i lost my car keys and then when you find your car keys you call them back up don't you i found it i found it yay they were underneath the newspaper or wherever it might have been that that's where they were and and we've lost that and he talks a little bit about the lost coin before that and i thought about the lost car keys but how many of you know before I was found by God, come on, or I found him. Can I say that? I found him. I was lost. I was lost. I didn't know I was lost. I was operating in some things of the world. I was not operating in the things of God, and I was lost. And we've all been to that place. But remember, we have good news, and it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 11. He talks about the prodigal son. This is Jesus and he said, a man had two sons. Everybody say two sons. So he's got two sons, all right? He got two sons. Where, you know, we, we have three sons all together, and, and he had two sons. So there is a sim Anybody just got two sons? Anybody have two sons? So you've got, you got an older son and a younger son, all right? So you're going to be able to see yourself in this parable. You're going to be able to look at that. He says he's got two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father... Give me a share of the estate that falls to me. He divided his wealth between them. I'm going to read through this. I'm going to go back and touch base on a few things when I get done. Verse 13. So he divided his wealth between them. And verse 13 says, Not many days later, the son gathered everything together, and he went on a journey to a distant or far country. 
and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Okay, look at me real quick. He's got two sons. One of them comes to him and says, Dad, I want my inheritance. How many of you know you don't normally give your inheritance to somebody without somebody dying first? And the thing that you may not realize, but in the Jewish culture, the older son was actually the one that would inherit everything and take care of the rest of the family. Okay? So the oldest son, Vernon, your oldest son, would actually be the one who would be the caretaker caretaker of those finances. He would be the financial steward. So it's unusual in this parable for the younger son to ask for his inheritance. The younger son asks for it in his inheritance. And Jackie can tell you a lot about the Jewish, the, the Jewish tradition, the, the Jewish family. She studied Jewish studies, that, that, that it was very unusual that the older son, because he would be the one that would be the steward. So if I'm the father and I have two sons and my oldest son is the one that's going to inherit my wealth, who am I going to work with on how to steward that wealth? Are you getting, you getting this? The older one. So we give this younger son a really hard time because he went and squandered his wealth. But I got news for you. He didn't have the tools to handle the wealth to start with. Uh-oh. He really didn't have it. The father really hadn't sown into him of what to do with this because he wasn't going to be the one handling the wealth anyway. Now, he comes to the father and he says, I want my inheritance. And the father gave him his inheritance. So verse 14, he says, now that he had spent everything that he'd had, a severe famine occurred in the country. And he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, I don't know if you guys understand this. Jackie can back this up. But Jewish people don't eat pork. And, and it, so obviously who he was with for the job was not a Jew. He was a Gentile who had pigs. And he asked him to go feed the swine. Now, to a Jew, this was very disconcerting. Okay, very degrading. Uh, it was very, it was a place where he'd gotten to the lowest of the low here because he had to go feed these swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach, verse 16 says, with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, everybody say, he came to his senses. He came to his senses. And he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? So obviously his father was wealthy enough to have servants. Are you with me? And he paid his servants to do the work as well as his sons. And now he's saying, wait a minute. My dad's got some servants and he's, they're, they're eating better than I'm eating. Are you getting the picture? Are you seeing that? And he goes on and he says, I'm going to get up. Okay, he says, but I am dying here with hunger. Verse 18, I'm going to get up and go to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him, 
and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put on the ring on his hand and the sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and let us celebrate. Verse 24 says, for this son of mine, which was dead, has come to life again and who has been lost has now been found. And they celebrated celebrate good times come on my son is home my son is home right y'all know that song justin's not here i was singing that one time and justin said i hate that song <laughs> so i was kind of hoping he'd be here when i sang it amen so maybe they're watching online and that one's for you justin i want to get that so there was a celebration that took place why pastor eric can you say that this is the greatest picture of the gospel Marie, I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to be able to point this out. You have to understand that, the, that he asked the father for an inheritance, first of all, right? And he did what? He gave it to him. There are some things that, that, that God gives us, are you with me, that we ask. He says you believe that you receive and then you ask and you will what? With, receive it, but you've got to have the right motives. You've got to have the right motives on this. And the Bible said that he went and he spent everything. No, no, you don't understand. He spent everything. He didn't just spend down to the last dollar. He spent the last dollar. He didn't just spend down to the last dime. He spent the last dime. He got to the place where there was absolutely nothing left. I don't know, and maybe Linda can tell us or Tom um, about how much wealth he had that he spent. But I'm telling you what, I know how much wealth he had when he went to get the job, and it was zero. It was zero. He had no wealth left. He had spent everything that he had. He had nothing left. And he spent it on, listen to this, wild living. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Hey, I've spent some money on wild living. And I know there's a lot of you in here that have spent some money on wild living. Come on, somebody. And then guess what? All that money was gone. It was amazing how I put money in my pocket on Friday and Sunday it was gone because I spent it on wild living. How about you? So when I look at this parable and I look at that guy, I'm not too far away than he is. I didn't have an inheritance that I could get from my parents. Are you with me? That was there that I could go spend it on. But I did the same thing. I spent everything. I didn't have anything left. How many of you have spent everything and you didn't have anything left? And then the COVID-19 thing hit. Are you with me? And now you're like, I don't have a job or I'm struggling now to pay my bills and I don't have anything left. Are you with me? Because we've what? Spent it on. You may not have spent it on wild living, but you spent it on life itself. And the Bible says not only was he broke, busted and disgusted. This is my paraphrasing. He was broke, busted and disgusted. He spent all he had. And guess what happened? Then the famine hit. It didn't say the famine hit and he spent all his money. It says he was broke, busted, and disgusted. Then the famine hit. So a lot of times when you're down, you can even get knocked down even more. Oh, come on. Am I preaching to anybody here today? That when things can get difficult, things can get hard, when you can do all those things that you, you, you want to do and then have nothing left for what God wants you to do, come on, somebody, then things can even get worse. And we think, how does it even get worse than it is? 
he began to be in need. Think about this for a moment. Here's a guy that grew up with his brother in his father's house, and they had servants. Do you think he ever had a problem where he didn't have food? He's not experienced that before. Do you ever think it was a problem where he was broke, busted, and disgusted? Didn't have any money. He's never experienced that before. I don't know about you, but I've experienced it. I've experienced where I had to go to my couch and try to get all the change out of there just so I could go down to KFC and get a two-piece chicken meal. Come on, somebody. Sometimes they give you an extra biscuit in there when you had to shake the money loose out of your furniture. Or maybe you were like I was, spent a lot of time in your automobile, and you had to go up under the seats and get the coins that had fallen down between the seats in your car, and you get it. And every now and then you find an old French fry. Hey, Daryl, I've eaten those French fries. Come on. Yeah, yeah. They're, when you're hungry, those French fries are pretty good. They're a little hard and crunchy, but they're, they're good. I wouldn't recommend it. It'd be we need to have a disclaimer here. Don't do this, you know. And, but those French fries that are there, that that are there, he hadn't experienced it before. He had not experienced the place that he was in now. Sound a little bit like today? We as a country, as a nation, as a world are experiencing things that we've not experienced ever before. We've not gone this way before. And I look at this and I begin to start thinking that things got so bad and it got so bad, Karen, that he decided, guess what? I think I'll go get a job. I think I'll go get a job. It got so bad, I think I'll go get a job. I'm going to go out and get, I'm going to go out and, and see somebody in the country and the guy hires him and he says, here's what I want you to do. First of all, it might have been a test for this guy. The farmer that he went to work for, it might have been a test. If he can handle feeding the pigs, we'll see if he can work here. And he put him in there, and he began to, to saying that he was going to feed the pigs. And, of course, the pigs we know are considered to, to be unclean. And can you imagine going from the palace to the pit like Joseph, like this guy? He goes from the palace to the pit. He goes from being in his father's house and, and probably, you know, being a... a uh, a steward of his dad's stuff and having people to help him work and to help carry out some things and all of that to a place where he's looking at this, can I say it, pig slop? He's looking at this and he's thinking, this is starting to look pretty good. I'm wondering if I could try it. And then the Bible says that he came to his senses. Let's look at verse 17. I think I had you pull that up, Mike, if you will. Let's look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my hired men, my father's hired men, have more than enough bread? And I'm here dying, and I'm hungry. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, correct me if I'm wrong, most of us, probably got to that point where we were sick and tired of being sick and tired and living like we were living and feeling like we were feeling and dealing with the everyday routines of life or the addictions or the bondages or the stuff that goes on in our life. We're dealing with that stuff and all of a sudden we needed to, Debbie, to look up. We got to that place where we said, you know what? 
this other stuff for me, it was drugs or alcohol. It didn't satisfy what I was needing from Jesus. Come on, somebody. It didn't satisfy that. So I got to that place where because that wasn't satisfying, and you've been to that place where it wasn't satisfying, and you're saying, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for something different because I don't want to eat this pig slop anymore. This is the gospel that I'm talking about. When you look at verse 17, he finally said, I came to a census. What? I came to my senses. It was like, what? What am I doing? Why am I living this way? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I acting this way? Why am I believing this way? And all of a sudden, I came to my senses. When I was 20 years old, I all of a sudden realized I needed Jesus. And I came to my senses. And I was hungry. But I was hungry for something other than the drugs or the alcohol or the sex or the women or the gossip or the the fighting or the Whatever it is that I was involved in, and it was involved in a lot, I got to that place where I said, I'm hungry, but I'm hungry for something different. Anybody here understand what I'm saying? And when we look at this and we realize how good God is and the gospel of Jesus Christ and how the goodness of God began to come, we began to look at this and he says, I'm going to return to my father's house. You know what? It's called repentance. He came to his sentence. Wait a minute. I'm going to repent. Repenting is more than just saying, I'm sorry, Linda. Tom, I'm sorry I did that. It's changing how I believe towards that situation. And not only saying I'm sorry, but it's changing my mind to say that is not appropriate or accurate for a believer and follower of Christ to be that way, think that way, or unforgiveness and allow bitterness and hatred and all that stuff to come in. i got to change the way I think. Repentance is not just turning away from it because I found out that when I turned this way away from drugs, I ran into them. Oh, come on, somebody. And then I turned this way away from drugs and I ran into it. And then I turned this way away from alcohol, and guess what? I ran into it. Because wherever you went, it seems the enemy would bring that person by, knocking on your door, bringing by the stuff. Hey, man, I got some stuff for you to try. Come on. And maybe y'all don't understand what I'm saying, but I believe most of you do. So you can turn and do a 180 physically in your behavior, but if your mind doesn't change, if your heart isn't changed, then when you come to your senses, you're not really coming to your senses. I believe when he's talking about he came to his senses, there was a heart change. And there has to be a heart change for us to change. Can I get an amen on that? So he goes on and he says he, want, he, he returns to the Father. So let's look at the, the, these four verses because these are why I believe this is the greatest parable a true picture of the gospel. See, when we look at this other scriptures, there's a lot of other scriptures about Moses or about David or about Samson or about Samuel. There's, Mo, there's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. When Jesus died at the cross, it was about what Jesus was going to do for us, but it was about Jesus. This is you. You can put you, boom, right in there. And that's where you're at. And I looked at this scripture and I, I began to start seeing the true, the true picture of the gospel. 
I began to start seeing that this was all about us, me, the mess that I was in. And I'm telling you, you talk about supernatural, I began to start seeing how incredible this was. I began to start seeing how powerful this was, how anointed this is. And I began to read through it, and I read through it again, and read through it again, and read through it again. And I've preached it many times over the past 22 years, and I began to start seeing this is for every person on the planet. Whether they're a Jew or a Gentile, whether they're black or white, whatever gender they are, come on somebody, wherever they come from, whatever state they're born in, this is the gospel. The gospel isn't for a chosen few. The gospel is for all that will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And it's about him. And when I looked about him, he was wealthy, had come out of a wealthy home. I didn't experience that, but he came out of a wealthy home. He'd never gotten to that place before. Got to that place and said, this is enough. A heart began to change. And he said, the worst thing I could do was to go be with my dad and hang out with him and be there. Let's look at this. Look at verse 18. He says, I'm going to get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And it's the same thing in this Jewish culture. They had respect for God. So a lot of times they wouldn't say God. That way you can look at Matthew and he says the kingdom of heaven. And you look at the other gospels and it says the kingdom of God. It's because some of them were taught that you don't use the word God. You use you can use the word heaven. So he said, I've sinned against heaven, which I mean, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. And, and all of a sudden he realized that that he sinned in his sight. And he's like, I am no longer worthy. How many of us have ever, ever felt that we're not worthy? I'm not worthy. You can be the greatest thing since sliced bread today and feel not worthy tomorrow. You can invent something and make money today and feel you're not worthy tomorrow. You can be a great dad today and bless your family and your kids and do some things and not feel you're worthy tomorrow. All of us have experienced that. All of us have gone through that. All of us have felt to the place we're not worthy. Am I in the right church? And I began to look at this scripture and I thought, man, what an amazing thing of the gospel. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What? How many times have I felt I'm not worthy? How many times have I allowed the enemy tell me, I'm not worthy. How many times have I listened to the lies where it said I'm not worthy? I'm not tall enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough. Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, we can hear all those lies of why we're not worthy. And he was hearing those same things. And he said, wait a minute. I'm not worthy. Here I am, a Jew, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And now I'm feeding pig slop and I'm hungry and I'm looking at that stuff and I'm thinking, that's starting to look good to me. And he realized that I need to go back to my father's house. Are you at a place where you need to go back to your father's house? Our heavenly father's house? Are we at a place where sometimes we can be so unworthy that we don't even feel like we're a son or a daughter any longer? Is the enemy taking us that far down the road? Have we allowed him to have his way that we don't even know our identity? Because this is really about identity. When you look at these scriptures, and he goes on and he, and he says this, and he says, he says, I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. 
making me one as your hired man. How many times are we trying to take something that's authentic and trade it for something that looks like it, but it's not the same thing? It's made in China. Oh, maybe I'm not supposed to say that anymore. Are you with me? It's authentic. I want the, I want the authentic. I want the real. I want the stuff that's good. I want the stuff that's going to last. Look, they don't make washing machines like they used to make them. I'm sorry, but they don't. And washing machine technicians will tell you they don't. They make them to where they'll break in a few years so you can call them, get them fixed. If you don't fix it, you get another one. But I'm telling you, back in the day, when I was a young wee grasshopper, when I was a young wee grasshopper, they made washing machines that would last for 20 and 30 and 40 years. Come on, somebody. They, they would last that long. Now they, you get four or five years out of them, and I think they want you to get something else. He goes on, and he goes, and he says, make me as one of your hired men. Sometimes God wants us to give us something authentic, and we just want this. Are you hearing me? I just want this. When we're, we forget about our identity, and I love what the Father did. I love this parable. I love what he did. Look at what he did. He comes in and he, sees, he says he got up and he came to his father. And while he was still a long ways off, what? The father saw him. He saw him. And, and because he was such a long ways off, he saw him. And I wonder, you know, we can preach that he'd been watching him, watching him every day. He'd been going down to the top of the road. And he'd been looking down to see if his son was coming home that day. Is he coming home today? Shelly, is he coming home today? Is our boy returning today? And how many days he went through and how many days he looked down that road and he didn't see the sun coming. And then all of a sudden there's a day where he's looking down the road and he sees the boy coming up the road. Do you think he was concerned about, son, where you been? What have you been doing? Who you been sleeping with? What have you been drinking? What have you been smoking? What have you been eating? Come on. Do you think he gave him and grilled him the ninth degree on everything that was going on? The Bible doesn't say that. He got up and he came to his father and he still was a long way off. He saw him and he felt he had compassion on him. He felt he had compassion on him. He had compassion and the compassion for him. And, and he ran. And he, Look, Jewish men don't run. Hello? Right, Jackie? When you ran, that wasn't part of the culture. I, I figured that out in Africa. Older men in Africa, they don't run. I was in the, I was in the hotel in the Ivory Coast, and, and I said something to him. I said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a little jog in the morning. I'm going to walk a few miles, but I'm going to run some. And they're like, why? <laughs> well, because I need to. It's heart healthy. You know, are you with me? And it wasn't, it's not in the culture. Are you with me? They don't run. So I take off running. Everybody's like, you see that guy running? You see that guy? What's he doing running? You know, who's he running from? I, I'm not sure what they were saying, but... It was in the culture. It's the same way with Jewish. The elder Jewish men didn't run. Fathers didn't run down the road. And he saw his son, and he took off running down the road, and he saw him, and, and it was that, was, that, was, that was what was in him. Think about you. Think about you and your relationship. 
your relationship with God and how all of a sudden you said, I need the Father. And you start coming up the road, whether that was going to church, whether you met God in your car or truck or in the back 940 or you were maybe, you know, shoveling hog manure or, or, or castrating cows. I don't know when or how all that happened, but there were times where all of a sudden you realized, I need him. And we came to the Father. And he ran, the father ran, and he saw him, and he was looking at him, and I I love this part. He said, he goes on and he says, he saw him, and he ran and embraced him, and he kissed him, which was right in that culture. He kissed him. I was in Africa, and they said, Eric, don't, don't think this is weird, but if you're walking next to somebody else, the pastor may go over and hold your hand. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. And they said, no, it's, it's in the culture. It's a term of endearing. It's a term of embracing. And I experienced that. It's weird, but I experienced it. And, and it was like it, we would walk along, and it was like, come go with me. I can do that with Shelly. I can do that with Virginia. You know what I mean? I can do that with Susanna. Come, come go with me. You know what I mean? But it was a guy on a guy, and, and he did that, and, and, and it, was just, it was just strange. And, and he just you know, held my finger, and it was like really weird. And, um, and it was like, but it was in the culture. It's the same thing here with uh, they would kiss you as a greeting. You know, you read in the scriptures where they would give you, greet you with a holy kiss. You know, nowadays somebody comes up, plants a kiss on me. I'm like, get back away from me. It's my wife's job, not yours. Thank you very much. But it's, it's in the culture, and it was in this culture. Same way with the running, same way with the kissing thing. The dad ran down there. I remember a long time ago when my dad kissed me on the head. And it's different than a, than a, uh, 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 it's a it's a it's a love kiss. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a uh, it's an agape, but it's a phileo type of love because it was my dad, and I needed that as a child. Maybe this guy, young guy just needed his dad to affirm him. I mean, there are some things we can talk about now and go into all sorts of a psychological evaluation, but it's a biblical principle that we looked at and we saw the father saw him and the son was coming down the road. The son was a mess. You were a mess. Maybe you still are a mess. I'm still a mess sometimes. But when I come down the road and I see my father coming towards me, he's not running away from me. It's not a repellent kind of thing. It's not a, re- you know, he's, he's saying, come, come, Eric, come on, come on down here. I know you've been through a battle so far. I know it's been tough. I know it's been hard. And he's wanting to embrace me. He's wanting to hold me. He's wanting to kiss me. Come on, not in a weird way, but he's saying, I love you and I'm here for you. And we see this and that's the truth of the gospel. When you put yourself in this place. And he said, the son said, he told him, I'd sinned and against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, I'm going to bring you the robe of righteousness. I'm going to bring you the ring of covenant. Those things that you thought you weren't now you, you it's not about what you do oh come on somebody are you hearing what i'm saying 
Angela, you want to come on? It's not about what you do because we can work so much that we think we're working for acceptance of God. And this guy didn't work for anything the pastor, can I say, year or so while he spent all his money. And he came up and the father was like, hey, that's my boy. Come on in here. Hey, would you get my robe? And they were like, no, no, not that one. Oh, no, no, not that one. This one here that I bring out only three times a year during a festival. Let's put that baby on him. That's going to be on my boy now. We're going to put it on him now. Oh, where's my ring? Ring meaning covenant. Here's my covenant. I have a covenant with you. Here's the ring. And there's the sandals. How many of you know the, the hired hands didn't wear sandals? They were barefooted. Because sandals were a privilege. Sandals were an honor. It means a whole lot of different things. And he was like, get my sandals and let him put my sandals on. It's kind of like when somebody came to see me. It's like here. Years ago, it would be like, hey, dude, you're here. Let me let you sit in my easy boy, my lazy boy. You know, you get to sit in my chair. What else do you need? Do you need some drink? you need some tea? Ding, ding. Here you go. Get some tea. Sit back. Relax. Pull the thing. There you go. You're looking good. You're in my chair. Everything looking good. You need a blanket? Let me get you a blanket. Let me cover you up. Let me take good care of you. This is the Father. When we look at how important the blessing of the gospel is that we can look at this scripture and we can begin to see that there was repentance he repented and he began to come home. Oh, come on. Sometimes we just, that's all we got to do. Let's just, just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being disobedient, being a knothead, a bonehead. I'm sorry for living my life for me. I want to live it for you, God. And then we begin to start coming home. Are you with me? And he goes on and he, he said, not only I've sinned against you and I'm no longer to be your son. And the father says, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put the ring, sandals on his feet. He said, hey, let's cook the fatted calf. Let's get that fatted calf, that calf that was over there. We've been fattening that baby up just for a celebration. Let's get him. Let's throw him. Would y'all put him on the grill? Put him on the pit boss. Would you put him on the Traeger? Are you with me? Let's get it out. Let's, 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 let's start. Let's, let's cook it for him. That's the true picture of the gospel because they began to celebrate. See, when we look at this, and the, the scripture is incredibly powerful. When you look at this, there are grown men that will weep when they realize that they were the lost prodigal son and they needed to come home to the father. There were daughters that have thought that they've been out and away from their families and fathers don't love them anymore or they had a biological father that hurt them and did bad things to them the tears are running down their, their, their face and they're going I am that prodigal person I'm the prodigal daughter maybe you're a prodigal daughter that you're saying wait a minute I've been out and now I'm in and I'm afraid to come to the father and he's saying no this father's day come to him He's looking down the road. He's waiting to see what's going on. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you dealt with. He knows the hurt and pain that you've had to go through. He knows the struggles that you're going through. And he's there. He's a loving dad saying, come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, son. 
that's my boy. That's him. Well, don't you know he's messed up? Don't you know he's messed up? Don't you know he's been on drugs or alcohol or he's been messed up with all sorts of stuff? He's messed up. God's not looking at that. He's looking and saying, that's my son. I want to bring the best robe out here. Give me the ring. We still got a covenant. The deal's still on. Give him the sandals. He's not coming in as a hired man. He's coming in as a son, a child of the most high God. That ought to get somebody excited. Hallelujah. Woo! Yes, Jesus. And I start, I look at that and I'm thinking, this is the greatest picture of the gospel. The Father's waiting on us. He's not mad at you. He's not trying to take a stick and beat you with it. Hello? Hello? He's saying, come on. Come on. There's a guy, a British guy. read the scripture and we were at this healing intensive in Redding, California and he'd say, come home it's time to come home won't you come home now well let me do it in English it's time to come home let me do it in northwestern Oklahoma come on home it's time to get home, get home it's time to get home It's time to see the Father. It's time to come up the road. Maybe some of you have been debating on whether to come up the road or not. Maybe some of you have gotten tired where you're at and what's going on. And it's time to say, wait a minute, will he accept me? I'm here to tell you the pure gospel says he will accept you. He will take you like you are. He won't leave you there. And there's going to be redemption. And there's going to be healing. And there's going to be deliverance. Come on, somebody. And there's going to be the identity of the sonship of God and the kingdom of God that's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy goes he's saying come on home today come on home today come on home today there are people out there raising all sorts of cane you know why because they don't know that the father is waiting on them to come home they're come home You, though, they're tired and weary and burdened, heavy laden. Jesus said, I will give you rest. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to do it. You don't know where to go about doing it. You don't know what to say. I can't figure it out. You've been to preachers and pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets, and you've been everywhere else. And I'm telling you, God says, just come on home. Just begin to walk up that road. Begin to look. Because when the Father sees you, he's going to say, that's that lost sheep. Come on on here. That's the one I've been looking for. You're there. I see you now. You're on the horizon. You're headed to the Father. You're, and He's running towards you. This is the pure gospel. This is an amazing, great picture of what Jesus has done for us. Our Father sent Jesus Christ, His Son, to die on the cross at Calvary. Why? So I could come home. And not be killed of judgment. He took the judgment on the cross. He said, look, I'm not judging you. You know, the scripture even says the father's not judging. The judgment was done for Christ. The son judges, not the father. What? You can look it up yourself. I'm not going to use my study time and give it to you. You get it in there and you find out the word and you see the scripture yourself. Where it says that the father, judgment's not for the father. The judgment is for Christ. And he took that judgment on the cross at Calvary. Come on, somebody. It's, a, it's, an, open, it's an open season. Will you come home? Are you lost today? Are you struggling today? 
isn't it time to come home? Well, maybe we've got it good. Life is really good. I'm, I'm just enjoying my life the way it is. And well, that's good. But guess what? You might have all the wealth in the world, and you may end up being like that guy. And he went and spent it and lost it. I don't know. But he came to where he had nothing. Then he decided to go get a job. And he realized that that wasn't where he was supposed to be. Maybe you realize today that where you're at in your life is not where you're supposed to be. And it's time to make a change. It's time to make that adjustment. I'm going to ask you just where you are, just to close your eyes a moment. God's not looking at where you came from. He's aware of it. He's not holding that against you. Here's a Jewish man who was in a Gentile setting. He knew that he was one of the chosen, which is God's people. I'm here to tell you, you are a chosen person. You are God's person. You're a son, you're a daughter of the Most High God. And maybe you've been settling for less than God's best. Maybe you've been like him. I can just be a hired hand. Well, maybe I can just go to church and just, just you know, kind of have a relationship with God. And God wants you all in. After an altar call last week and the people that came forward and said, I want more, then let's get more. You're going to want more because he wanted more. The prodigal son in this, he's the one that got up from the pig slop. And he said, I'm not staying here any longer. I'm going to leave this place and I'm going to go to the place where I need to go. I'm going to my father's house. And God says you need to step in to what God has for you and go to your father's house. Just begin to take the first step today. Doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter where you came from, how educated you are or aren't, what gifts and talents you have or don't have. I'm telling you, God is looking at those things and, and to him, you're a son and you're a daughter and he wants you in the family. Do you have peace today? Are you in the family of God today? If you're not, it can change. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, I get the scripture talks about when Christ comes, but it's, 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 it can change just like that. Boom, you can go from one dimension to another. Step into that today. If you're here today, every eye closed, please. I just don't want you looking around. It's really nobody's business but the person that, we're, that God's dealing with business. If you're here today and, and, and you... You want to receive Jesus and you've not accepted Jesus that you know of. You know, sometimes I'm like, well, I did something at camp when I was, you know, 13 years old. And, and I'm not sure really what that was. And then maybe that's you today. I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up to me because it's just me and you. It's just me and you. Anybody here today? Thank you. I see that. Anybody? Anybody else? Thank you. I see that. I see that hand. Thank you. There's three. Anybody else? Four, five. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Every eye closed, please. I see that hand. You know Jesus died on the cross for you. 
He shed his blood at Calvary. Calvary was the place that he was at. And he shed his blood for you. That was the remission of your sin. Sins of mankind, not just yours. Yours is included in that. And it says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. And just openly, you just say, Lord, I just receive you as my Lord and Savior. Or Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Go ahead and say that. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. It's with your heart that you believe, not your head. Salvation comes to your house. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You follow after Jesus Christ. Now it's about reading the word of God. Now it's about praying. I don't know how to pray. Well, good. I didn't know how to pray when I first started this thing either. I still sometimes don't know how to pray. But you're starting on a path today. You're that prodigal son. You're the prodigal daughter coming home. And believe me, he's wanting you to come home. He's looking for you to come home. You're beginning to receive that right now. You're beginning to walk in that right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about redemption. It's about forgiveness of sin. The good news is that he can make you whole. That he can heal you. That he can touch your mind, your physical body. Your spirit's lined with God. In 1 Corinthians, I think it's 6, it says... You become one with him in spirit. His spirit and your spirit become one together. You have one spirit. And it's the spirit of God who lives on the inside of you. And Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you will lead you and guide you and direct you. And I believe from this day forward, those of you that raised your hand, those of you that made that profession of faith is what we call it. Those of you that whether it's rededicating your life today, but you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the God that lives inside of you. Many of you heard me preach, it's the unseen spirit of God living in the unseen spirit of man in the physical body of man on the physical earth. It's the unseen to the unseen, in the seen, on the seen. It's the unseen to the unseen, in the seen, physical body, on the seen earth. God's not going to do it unless he does it through you. There's sovereignty he can operate by and he'll do things that way. But he's, he's given you the opportunity to step out. And some of you today have said, I want to head down the road and I want to see my father. And you're going to see the father. You are seeing the father right now. And you may not understand it. You may not get it all. I, I don't even get it all now. I can't say that I even, uh, it seems like the more I learn, the more I know, the less I know. It's, it's, I don't know, it's just a dynamic that God has for us because he's so big. He loves you. He loves you more than you love yourself. He loves you more than you can love others. But he'll show his love through you so you can love others and others can love you. It's all part of who God is. And when he showed himself to the, to, to the prodigal son 
And he said, wait a minute, I'm going to go home. He showed himself as the father saying, I'm going to accept you where you are, right? Where you are and what you are. But I'm not going to accept that you're anything less than my son or my daughter. And that's what we call kingdom living, kingdom identity. That you are a son, a child of the most high God. You are joint heirs with Jesus. You don't have to wait till Je- because Jesus died. Now you can begin to walk in that inheritance because he's already died. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to get it. You can walk in it now. If it's just about getting to heaven, then we forget about this earth. But we're supposed to walk on this earth. We're supposed to occupy until he comes. We're supposed to have dominion as a child of the Most High God, as sons and daughters of God. Your identity is going to change. Your shifting is going to change. I believe that you're going to begin to see things differently starting today. I said starting today, things are going to begin to look differently. You're going to realize you can rise up above those things that the enemy tries to pull you back on and say, no, no, devil, no. I am a child of the Most High God. I'm going to break out. I'm going to break out. I'm going to break through. I'm going to break out of those things that I need to break out, and I'm going to break through into those things that I need to break through. Now, there's a lot of information that I've given you today, but I want you to meditate on this parable. I want you to look at it. I want you to read it again. That's the challenge. Begin to see yourself. But that's the gospel. God has is, is sent his son to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and redeem us as his children. And we believe in that redemption. And we walk in that redemption. And you walk in that redemption right now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Can we give the Lord some praise in this house this morning? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. The church doesn't save you. Amen. Jesus saves you. We stand to your feet. Let me just pray with you as you go. I have a book that I want to be able to give those of you that have raised your hand and made a commitment to. And Richard's got something that he's going to do here before we leave. You guys, don't no mass exodus yet. Just wait just a moment here, if you will. I'll turn it over to you, and then I can pray. We wanted to be sure on Father's Day. The church wanted to get something for Pastor Eric for Father's Day to tell him thank you for all the words that he speaks into us and all the prayers that he prays over us. And for sure, we wanted to honor him on Father's Day and say thank you. Thank you, everybody. It's hard for me to feel like I'm a father because I still act like I'm a kid. Amen. Shelly can tell you that. Like, you can take the. You can take the. The what is it? You can take the the. Anyways, I feel like a kid. You can't take the kid out of me. Amen. I just. I want to. I want to still enjoy life today. Lift your hands to the Lord. I bless all you fathers, you dads, that are biological fathers, those that are spiritual fathers. Those that, that may not even have any biological children or, or spiritual children yet, but you're still going to be a daddy. I just pray a blessing over you today. I speak a father's blessing over you today. A father's blessing that you'll begin to see your sons and daughters like the prodigal son. And they're coming home. And you're going to love them. And you're going to hold on to them. And you're going to hold them. And you're going to kiss them. And you're going to get out the fatted calf. And you're going to have a party. You're going to be able to celebrate. You're going to be able to honor them. 
And you're going to be able to speak into their lives because I believe that there's some kids that are coming home. As you've come home today, I believe that there's some, some physical kids that have been lost. Some of you dads that may not know what to do about the situation, just be looking down the road because I believe they're going to be coming. And when they come, receive them. We'll help you with them. I just pray a blessing over you. Thank you for this Father's Day, this wonderful day for you to be honored as fathers today. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said...